You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor, and joining me is my best friend in the world, William. Oh, I've been upgraded since last week when you were a bit, yeah, yeah, could be better people around. Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, hello. Uh, how many Mac Pros have you ordered this week? Uh, I need four. Four. Okay. I'm waiting for the blue ones, but I'm still only going to go for two, I think. Well, I, over that. I think you need two in blue matching your blue AirPods Pro. Yes. You know me so well. Yeah. I, I do. It's, which room do I put them in? I said you were my uh, best friend in the world. And I meant it. Yes, but it's just tipped over to being slightly... It was nice, and now it's slightly creepy. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. There's no (laughs) creeping around your house and coming about for tea uninvited. No. That was you? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, serious thing. I I am no way near getting a £50,000 Mac Pro, as much as actually I really do fancy one. Nor I, Um, nor I. What do you think about, now that we know the the specs and uh, just how much you can add to these things, is the base level, the entry one, actually any good? Well, I I genuinely don't know. First of all, how much does the base entry level cost? Uh, About 6000 Right. And... What, pray tell, was the cost of the old Mac Pro base level? Uh, was it a bit less? Yes. And what was the cost of the Mac Pro in anywhere from 2008 to 2011? Because that was the one people were really holding on to. You know, seriously, I should prepare for these things. Or you could just chip me off if you're going to ask me these. Historical financial questions. Mm. Uh, I actually bought a Mac Pro around 2006 or seven. can't remember which. But I truly can't remember how much I paid. Somewhere around 2000 I think. Okay. I'm guessing. All right. So the new one's more expensive. A quad-core 2.0 Mac Pro in 2006 with four cores, dual processor. Uh, from 2006 to 2008, this machine ran. Cost a whopping $2,199. Okay. Okay. Quad core, though. God. Yeah, I know. So oh, good amateur. one, right? And, and let's, no, let's go to 28. Oh, how did we cope? Like, let's say 2011, because people were keeping them from 2011, right? 2012. It was my primary machine from 6 to 12. Yeah, and still running somewhere. Okay, so a 2012 yeah. model, quad-core, 3.2 gigahertz uh, Nehalem processor. That was 2,499. Okay. Okay. So the Mac Pro used to live in this $2,199, $2,500 price range. That was the quad-core model. If I went to like a 6-core model or a 12-core model, presumably more. But uh, And then let's talk about the 2013 models, because that was the trash can, wasn't it? It was. Yes, it was. Okay, yes. so a trash can model was more, as you say, 6,500 to 7,000. But I actually didn't remember that. I guessed it was more, but I didn't know. I like the old trash can thing, but there you go. That was a 12-core model. If I go back to the, the quad-core model, because that would be the base, the, the base model back then was... Three thousand dollars, two thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. So base models were were pretty much in that twenty-one to twenty-four to to three thousand price range. Yeah, and Power Max before them were in the the fourteen ninety-nine to sixteen ninety-nine range, more or less. But does more expensive mean better, or just Apple uh, is greedier or something? I don't know. 
Well, I mean, th- we, we can say that clearly these things are better, right? They have 28 cores instead of um, six uh, maximum quad. Uh, right. Six even. Or quad. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 So, and, and it appears that the number of cores are, are doubling every few years. True. And as I write in drafts five for Mac, I can really feel the difference. I was waiting for you to sneak that in. I was waiting for you to talk about how lovely drafts five is. But new update. Yes. Okay. <sighs> yeah. I and I, I saw that. that comment in editorial in our in our Slack the other day where where uh, I want to talk about I want to talk about drafts five. No, we're talking Mac Pro. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> which is exactly I mean, what we're doing here. Wonderful. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I've got to be fair to everybody on uh, Apple Insider Slack. There, I was bubbling about this. And you were like effervescent, let's be clear. But yeah, the Mac Pro is a second away from coming out, and I am blathering on about this gorgeous piece of software. Though, frankly, it is gorgeous. And if you don't stop me now, I'm going to blather as and well. And everyone's saying, Draft shush, William, Mac. shush, William, not today, not today. <laughs> Just because they have a point. <laughs> but yes, okay, so uh, well, I no, do No, no, but this, this is your original involves. point, was are you getting one of these things when they cost, at, at max, $50,000? And this is a valid question. When when the pricing has risen as as much as it has, um, who is this machine for? And Apple had said that that they thought that their primary customer for this was developers a couple of years ago when they said we're not giving up on the Mac Pro. And it occurs to me that for many ND developers, this is is priced out of range. Mind you, can you just think how fast Xcode? would compile on one of these things. Well, and this Sorry, is the danger. No, I'm but that's the danger. That. That's the dangerous yeah. thing because Xcode has to work and work well on a range of hardware, right? It has to work well on MacBook Pros. It has to work well on the machines that developers have and can afford. And if Apple were to develop Xcode primarily to run well on this thing, that would put a lot of developers in a pinch, wouldn't it? Yeah, sure. But that isn't what Apple's done. It's just a nice bonus. It's like, um, I, I actually think the primary audience for this is going to be people who are uh, chundering around lots of uh, data, like video editors. I, fact, oh, did you watch um, iJustine's uh, video uh, about the new, I mean, really I entertaining, not. I very interesting not. stuff. But at one point, she actually gets a low disk space warning on a Mac Pro with a four terabyte drive because she's using so much video footage and stuff. And, uh, and I laughed. Actually, I get that on my little Mac Mini and there she was getting it on, a, I imagine, around £50,000 worth of gear. The same problems keep coming back. But, they do. You know, yeah. I, you know I, I worry about that problem, even though you tell us that Apple's not doing that, because we've seen it happen in the past. You know, we, we've seen applications and websites designed for people who have dual 30-inch screens. And the reality is that most of us do not have 30-inch dual monitors going on. We've, we've seen with, uh, with phones where people design for only the newest, fastest phone and build only to the newest, fastest phone. And that's not what the vast majority of us have. And it's important to keep that in view when designing, building, and testing, that you, you have to aim where your audience is, not just what's available on your desk because you can build a company for it. And to that point, I, I, I think you know, we were talking about accessibility not too long ago. We were talking about uh, yeah. the, the sort of uh, accommodations that Apple builds in for accessibility through things like voiceover. 
And yesterday, iOS 13 was released. Uh, 13 point, what, 3 or something like that? Is that right? Yes, I think I've lost track, actually. <laughs> 13.3, yes, was released. And uh, I, I got a message from one of our listeners saying that for, for our information, iOS 13.3 still has bugs regarding right. Siri and VoiceOver. That uh, when using Siri via the power button, VoiceOver starts talking and affects Siri. It's okay. Um, okay. There, there's still some difficulty there, and it's it's a very real concern that that these things are getting more stable, but they're never going to be bug free. But when it's a bug like that that directly impacts how a person interacts with the phone, this is a real problem. It is. It feels very different from what you just said then about building for your audience. I mean, I see why there's the connection, but um, there's a big audience that is uh, seemingly big, certainly um, loud audience that's been demanding uh, Apple do a Mac Pro, and now they've got it. So I don't want to knock Apple for doing a, a great machine just because I couldn't conceive of being able to either afford it or actually uh, exploit it uh, enough to make it worth buying for me. Right, but that's the difficulty. Is, is this machine the machine that the people that were allowed and vocal wanted? That's a that's that's something that we'll see in sales numbers down the road or see in, in financial reports down the road because we won't actually get clear sales numbers per se. The um, You know, there, there's, there are people that posit that what people really wanted was the power of an iMac Pro, but without the iMac screen, or the modularity of of the Mac Pro, but without the price tag, and and so some people point at that and say, "Come on, just just own up, admit what you really wanted was a Hackintosh," and that's not exactly the answer either. But these things used to be more affordable to more people, and the the new Mac Pro feels like something that is going to sell into businesses where you can expense it or where you can can file for a request and have the company pay for it. Uh, I imagine Pixar will have a few on hand. I think it's going to be bought by people who need it and can justify it in their work. And there are going to be, uh, there are going to be millions of them. There's going to be plenty. I certainly hope you're right. I'm, I'm, I mean, actually, no, we know a little bit more about this. Um, Apple Insider a few months ago just asked people who was planning to buy it. I remember I asked. There were, <laughs> there were scientists. Yes, of course you did. So um, there was scientists, um, x-ray experts, lots of video editors, photographers and things. And they were saying just based on what they knew at that time, Apple had barely announced it. Uh, they were definitely going to buy them because it clearly solved certain problems. It'd be fascinating to see now um, how many of them well, so, uh, are pleased with the end result. So what we did was we asked initially, and then when they had the announcement and displayed the hardware, we asked again. And the the answers that I got at that time, and I didn't ask all of the people that we all asked collectively. I, I had asked some people that work uh, in television production. And in television production they were going to change over a few edit suites to them to test. Oh, right. And that, that they were going to get one or two in to change as an edit suite and test, but otherwise they weren't going to make bold moves and change everything. Ah, sure. But that that um, makes sense. Do you, know if they, do you remember if they were going to get the Pro Display XDR as well? That seems they, amazing. I think were not because that was more expensive than and, and broke the bank on it. I yeah. think that... Um, what I need to do is go back and ask again and see now that they know pricing what's actually going to happen here. be curious to know as well whether they're Final Cut uh, Pro 10 uh, Studios or 
Because that seems to be uh, optimized for Apple Gear, unsurprisingly. It, it does, but a lot of Final Cut Pro customers moved to Adobe Premiere when Final Cut Pro X uh, yes. transitioned. Yeah, I think they're coming back, but nowhere near as, as quickly as Apple might like. Well, the, the thing is, is that there is a... There's a momentum to this, right? There's inertia to this. You make a choice, you stick with it, you become that kind of a shop for ages because yes. there's no incentive to change and there's strong incentive to stay with it because you've got everyone trained up on it and it works. And yeah. and that's your workflow. Your your job is not to fiddle with the tools. Your job is to produce, right? Sure. And so once you pin down the workflow, you don't you don't change it unless there's some reason. And with the, the, the difficulty is that with Final Cut Pro 10, there was a reason because it wasn't feature complete and it changed everyone's workflow for reasons that weren't entirely clear to the user. Yeah. And Apple stopped allowing you to buy the old version. That too. So you had no uh, handover period. Right. Yeah. And Adobe similarly is creating difficulty for themselves with Premiere by forcing changes down you know the the um, creative cloud says that every application can be updated and will be updated and that's that but it breaks things that worked formerly and there's no way to revert to the earlier version i'm wondering actually whether that's changed i mean uh, during that's, this year that's when. what i hear from the the same person that i talked to at the tv production was that they Adobe were disillusioned with adobe say. because adobe yeah. would not allow them to run prior versions and broke things without telling them as we know, Adobe won't say what's going on there, and it sounds like it's a legal case, we think, with Dolby. And uh, the initial announcement was that you'd only be able to uh, install the current version of uh, Creative Cloud, the one before, and possibly the one before that. And clearly, something has changed in that version. So I'm hopeful. And, and that was only that one of the times that they've done this. Yeah. Just the two generations. It's going to be from now on, all the way back to that version that was two versions ago. Before I'm getting confused, but there are other maths, problems. Yeah. It's not just that Dolby legal case. It's it's other issues that have hap cropped up with this that cause them to question whether or not Adobe's their partner for the future. I will tell you, I utterly, utterly adore and relish and love Final Cut Pro 10 for editing. But uh, Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Photoshop, these are amazing products. Um, I've given up on them entirely and moved to Affinity. Yeah, for most day-to-day -day work. I have uh, uh, one client with an account in Adobe and things, and I'll use uh, InDesign with them, and I really like InDesign. And actually, I like it so much that stopped me getting into Affinity Publisher as much as I might on my own. But yeah, oh, there right. are very good alternatives. Yeah, I, I was an InDesign devotee from the very beginning when it first launched, and uh, I have, I've gone off it now. Traitor. Not at all. Tra betraying them. I am fickle. So there. Actually, that client's using a different editor for the next issue of the magazine. Maybe the one after. Uh, I expect I'll be back for it. I don't know. Uh, I might see if we can do it in Infinity and see what happens. Yeah. Just to give me the chance to learn it, really. Now, this Mac Pro, we, we know it has that distinctive lattice sort of design on the, the front face of it, right? Yeah. Very nice. What's that for? Um, well, this is kind of circular here because I think I'm going to make my own argument here. It is not just for aesthetics, is it? It is not. I know this because I wrote about this. I think it does look very good, but the, there are reasons, there, aren't there? There are, there are. And they're primarily around airflow. That giant cheese grater thing is largely open. 
We need a better word than cheese grater because it's like a three-dimensional cheese grating lattice uh, apparatus it, rather it than is. just It is, and there was a, a fellow who 3D printed one and found that it was not at all good for grating cheese. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that. It's been tested. And I don't have time to play with publisher. Okay. <laughs> right. So I'm not managing my time well. That's what I get from that. Yes. Okay. But but basically, the problem was that previous solutions for dissipating heat didn't work. And just putting the, the metal screen on from the old generation Mac Pro might have worked, but also uh, would would still not look as good and may have created more turbulence coming through the very small openings as opposed to the, the larger openings here. That this, this allows it to get about 20% more airflow than previous models. Hmm. Incredible, isn't it? That is the shape of the holes. I, I, Apple Insiders covered this, but it was actually an interview Apple gave to uh, Popular Mechanics where they went into lots of details naturally of the mechanics of this and lots of it I didn't understand but I was utterly uh, agog at certain bits like to do particularly with the cooling of the display the fact that the display can be portrait or landscape affected how the ventilation worked oh absolutely and hemispherical holes nailed it for them in either orientation I yeah they heat, kind of casually heat rises and heat gets trapped. And if you don't have a way for it to to let out, if you don't have a way for fresh air to inlet in, sure. in both orientations, then yeah, absolutely. Just you'd think a hole was a hole and there are plenty of them, but no. No. I love this kind of uh, attention to detail that's necessary to make things happen. And they did it. Engineering is a marvel. It, it is. It and is. whoever's doing it, I think it's just incredible. So, it is. And you know, speaking of engineering marvels, is your Wi-Fi feeling old? Yes. Does it buffer while streaming? Yes. Do connecting new devices tend to slow it down? Yes. Can it handle gaming, video cards, large video file transfers all at once? Yeah, actually, I wouldn't know about that. I'm not a gamer, but let's go with... Do you transfer no. large files? That's point. Video files, yes, from time to time. It's I, I call them tea breaks. That's what I call them. Right, right. It's not it, a good sign. It doesn't matter how fast your internet connection is if your Wi-Fi router is old and outdated. With Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear, your Wi-Fi will feel new again. So Wi-Fi 6 is the latest tech that allows more devices to connect and stream simultaneously without impacting speed or reliability, and the result delivers the fastest Wi-Fi for all of your devices anywhere in your home. Stream in HD, 4K, or even 8K without buffering, eliminate lag while gaming, and connect more devices to your Wi-Fi than ever before. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is like upgrading your Wi-Fi to first class. If you're ready for the best Wi-Fi ever, you can get it today from Netgear and never worry about Wi-Fi again. So check out Netgear's best Wi-Fi ever or be Wi-Fi 6 at your local Best Buy or at netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. That's netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. I'm just going to skip a story and go right ahead. So Tim Cook gave an interview on Tuesday. Oh, yes. And he covered a lot of different topics. He talked about Apple's reliance on Chinese labor. He talked about antitrust probes in the U.S. and Europe. He, he talked about the importance of user privacy. These are things that he's pretty much known. He's spoken for, on these things before, frankly, yeah. Frankly, banging on about and, and usually to good effect. Uh, what has he actually said this time? Well, he's, he's talked about how 
the iPhone and Apple products are, are worldwide products, right? The glass on the phone is made by Corning in Kentucky. Uh, several of the semiconductors are made in the United States. That the the reliance on China is is part of a global effort, right? It's not just the final assembly of the product. The the product is built everywhere. Um, he said, the way that we do manufacturing is we look at all the countries and look to see what skills are resonant in each country, and we pick the best. So while he was in Japan, he visited Seiko Advance, who is an ink supplier whose products are used in iPhone and other devices. They developed an ink and an application process to create the high-quality space gray, silver, midnight green, and gold hues of iPhone 11 Pro, for example. Oh, they did the midnight green. Mm-hmm. I quite like the midnight. I yep. kind of fancy the midnight green one. Yep, that's, that's Seiko Advance. They're the reason we're able to put this color on the phone, he said. We've worked with them for years. We've grown together. Both parties enjoy working together, and we push each other to innovate more. Okay, I don't want to be uh, sarcastic about this, but I'm just wondering how much innovation can you have in color? You get the Pantone registry. but well, I suppose different materials well, aren't there, how you bond it. It's, for, first of all, you want the color to maintain its finish. You want it to be a uniform color. And you want it to apply well and and stick. You want it to not rub off. You want it to not scratch through. You you have a lot of things that go into a colorant to to make it durable enough to be this product. You know, one of the problems that that Cook talked about is antitrust, where the U.S. and European investigations are looking at Apple's business. And the the point is to make sure that Apple doesn't monopolize any one industry category. So Apple says that they're not monopolizing any one category, and they're not even the same business as fellow tech companies like Facebook and Google, which are also targets of the probe. They're being, Apple's being scrutinized for the tight control of the App Store and the, the, uh, what we call Sherlocking of third-party apps and features. Now, you and I know what Sherlocking means as a term, but yes. I, I'm, I'm going to explain for the, the people in the room who may not know. So years and years and years ago, Around 2001, Apple had a product, had an application inside Mac OS 9 called Sherlock. And Sherlock was an application for searching the web. And you could search for images, you could search for things on the internet, you could, you could use it to index things. It was sort of a spotlight before spotlight, and it didn't really do whole disk search. It was more focused on the internet. There was a third-party product called Watson. And Watson did all kinds of fancy things, had lots of plugins, searched your whole hard drive, um, searched local movie timetables so you could see what was playing at theaters and when. It was a lot more powerful. And Apple updated Sherlock to include every feature that Watson had in it, thus eliminating Watson's ability to sell their product. Um, And this was called being Sherlocked. That's funny, actually. Uh, when you describe it in that sequence, uh, it doesn't seem unreasonable that Apple would add those features. Uh, but it did put the Watson people out of, out of, business. Out of business. Yeah. Yes. And it's not the only time uh, well, that they've done it. So they, they, the Watson people went on to try and make a web page builder, which I, <laughs> I, I, I think they that. called Sandfox no, at the time. And right. shortly thereafter... Apple introduced iLife, which had right. an application called iWeb. 
Okay, I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at that poor company, but you just see like, oh man, you know. Well, and it's next? it's not just that company. Uh, that was uh, Karelia.com. I, you know, with with iTunes, for example, iTunes came out of Cassidy and Green Sound Jam. At the time, mm. they were also looking strongly at buying Audion from Panic, and due to some missed meetings and and things like that, uh, Panic ended up not being bought, and and uh, it became Casting Green Sound Jam, became iTunes. And in the last meeting that Panic had, uh, and this was Cable Sasser, and, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the other fellow's name. This is terrible. Um, anyway, they were meeting with Phil Schiller and a- after the iTunes announcement, and, you know, basically Apple was acting as if this would kill Audion, which it did. And they said, what else are you guys going to work on? And... They said, well, we're thinking about doing a, uh, a photo manager for all the photos that you have in your shoebox and, and the photos that you take on your digital camera. And Schiller just looked at them and said, yeah, don't do that. Okay, that's because Because iPhoto. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and so this happens a lot where, where there are products that, that become completely irrelevant because Apple decides to make the thing themselves. Let's just have a quick nod there, though. That was Phil Schiller being a good guy. Uh, he didn't have to say that to them. You know? So it wasn't that uh, they were just looking to see what they do next in copy. It, it was at least, you know, yeah, uh, breaking the, the, the corporate veil of secrecy to help somebody out. So right. good on him. Yes. Bad on Apple for how many times they've done this, but good on him for that one. So. Well, there's there's a mix, right? There are features that, that Apple says do belong in the operating system. And so they go ahead and figure out how to put them in. And if they sidestepped around every small developer who ever created a thing, then there would be nothing left to do and they have a lot more difficulty building something that's valuable. Yes, completely. Uh, I feel sorry for these companies, but a a lot of the time, particularly that one actually with Sherlock and Watson, I understand it going inside the operating system. That seems like it where it should be. It's like they just hadn't got to it yet rather than that they... um, were inspired by or or even if they take inspiration by you know there's some things that make sense for example password managers existed before apple used the keychain to store passwords for everything true and it especially existed before apple decided to to store passwords keychain and do keychain sync in the iCloud and make it so it could populate passwords on your iPhone yes and if you used safari on mac and iPhone, then you don't necessarily need a password manager because for the most part, Keychain and, and Keychain Sync and iCloud will take care of all of that for you. We should really look into this sometime in detail of uh, where the, the market is for password managers because I still rely on 1Password uh, many, many times a day, even though I'm on a Mac with Safari that does some of it. So, yeah, there's a I blurred have, line. I have moved away from 1Password entirely. Yeah. I love one. I've been I've been using one called Enpass, E N P A S S. And uh I've been doing that because they it it'll be interesting to see what happens here. So one password just took investment, which means that they now need to work about trying to make a return on that investment. They've moved strongly to the subscription model and hosting the the vaults as opposed to their their past where it was a one-time fee and uh 
and you hosted yeah. your vault in your own cloud or, or even on your local hard drive. And you still can do the those things in terms of hosting it in cloud or on your own hard drive. But they're very much all in on subscription model and trying to discourage the one-time purchase. Except and I should point out they have been very clear on the record about that new investment, that new capital they've had, that it is explicitly uh, for developing business versions of this. They're hiring developers to do stuff that uh, corporate features, right. which may then trickle down to us, but it's not... Or or it uh, may shift their focus away from the consumer market entirely and focus on where they're being make, making money in, in corporate. Yeah, they are... It remains to be seen. Uh, yeah, how many years have they been running and that they've always been focused on the individual and even within corporations, it's the individuals within corporations that have got the corporations mm -hmm. interested in 1Password. So, in, yeah, in I any mean, case, I in any them, case, I, I believe them. what made NPass interesting to me was that they were a one-time purchase, that they have a lifetime upgrade fee to, to their pro level in their iOS app, that um, they have similarly strong encryption to that which 1Password is doing. And it's it's been a pretty smooth transition. Cool. Yeah. So this oh, is a reminder that there are options. Uh, There's also Dashlane is known as a, another one. Right. Remember. Dashlane but and LastPass are also subscriptions. LastPass. Thank you. That's the one. Uh, but uh, back to the And, and also of... store only in their cloud and not give you the local option that 1Password and NPass do. We are both using a password manager, even though Safari has added these things. And I feel like it's taking you down a different line here, but uh, there's still a, a value. Well, uh, yeah. so first of all, Safari does a lot, and it does a lot well. But um, it, it doesn't have – a keychain, rather, has does a lot and does a lot well. But it doesn't have a great way of importing large swaths of data. So having had these one passwords and things like that, uh, I have all 1,500 passwords. And I can export them out of one password and import them into NPass, but I have no good means to import them into Keychain. Had I done that, I, I, had there been a way, I would have done it, yeah. Okay, well, I have a miserly 500 passwords. What have I been doing with my life? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So how did we get onto this when we started out with the Mac Pro? And oh, I am sorry, I had a question. Oh no, about the Mac what's Pro. the question? Please, I don't understand what an afterburner actually is. All right, and it's graphics, and I, I believe Apple's developed this. I don't know if it's only theirs or if this is a term that's used. Sort me out if you don't mind. I mean, just this, fill me in. This is their term. It is not a industry term. Okay. And what it is is a coprocessor, basically. And what it's doing is so so in years past, right? Long, long, long ago, we had CPUs and we had math coprocessors that would plug in and be an additional thing to your CPU that would uh, work in concert with it and and basically take some of the offloaded tasks and compute them and then hand them back to the CPU. With Afterburner, this is an accelerator card specifically for handling video content that's encoded using Apple's ProRes and ProRes RAW codecs. So, so if you're working with ProRes RAW and ProRes codecs, then the Mac Pro can simultaneously play back three streams of 8K video or up to 12 streams of 4K video and, and do it in real time. Now, 
the GPU, like the AMD Radeon and Pro Vega hardware, give it a lot of graphics oomph, but those cards are general purpose graphics cards. The afterburner card is what's called a FPGA or field programmable gate array, and it's programmed specifically for handling ProRes and ProRes RAW. So if your workflow uses those, you want to have this card. Now, the way that, that film and video editor works are, works is like this, right? You have your workflow to get things done, but rather than manipulate the original highest quality video source material, which is really taxing on your computer, you use a proxy file that's a lot lower resolution and a lot lighter weight. Oh, right. Yes, I've done that. And yes. and so you, yeah. you make all of your edits on this fast-loading, low-res footage, and then that edit decision list is it's applied to the high-res footage. Okay. And then it right. relinks those for a final render. And this can be a lot of trouble. There can be a lot of incompatibility with encoders. You can get errors introduced. There's a long re-edit and re-endering session. Um, you know, there's there's room for error. So if you have this afterburner card, yeah, then you don't need to do that kind of, of proxy edit and edit decision list thing. You just work on the raw footage because it's doing it fast enough. That's great. Oh, I'll have one of those then. Yeah. Yeah. It's an extra 2000 bucks. Okay. And one per each of the two Mac Pros I'm getting for the living room. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It does add up. Yeah. Uh, that actually seems really significant, given uh, I, I'm still sure that video editors are going to be a, a major market for this. I can't imagine any of them not wanting that, now you've said it. So, I know, I know. Um, hmm. I really, really want to see the Pro Display uh, XDR in, in real life. What, um, I, what I want to know about the Pro Display XDR is, what is its compatibility with non-Mac Pros? Oh, good point. Could I get one for my Mac Mini? Could That'd you be... Could you get one for a PC? I, it's a Thunderbolt connection, isn't it? I presume. I, I don't know. It, there are questions. I would like mm -hmm. to see those questions answered. Hmm. I've actually just changed my mind. If I do see one in the flesh and it's as good as we believe it is, I'm going to come back to my rubbish uh, chosen for its price monitor <laughs> on the Mac Mini. Yeah. Well, when you do, okay. pick me up a stand or two, will you? Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Not not the display, just the stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Of course, obviously. Now, we were speaking yeah. a moment ago about the antitrust, legislation, uh, antitrust regulation investigations forming that uh, Cook was responding to. So, in the U.S., uh, Senate Judiciary Committee hearings saw senators from both sides of the aisle urge for tech companies to help law enforcement gain access to potential evidence kept hidden from view and encryption. Um, Lindsey Graham is quoted as saying, you're going to find a way to do this or we're going to do it for you. <laughs> we're not going to live in a world where a bunch of child abusers have a safe haven to practice their craft, period, end of discussion. But it wasn't exactly the end of discussion because, well, this is still an ongoing discussion. <laughs> um, what's, what's interesting here is is so William Barr has also made calls. He's the U.S. Attorney General. He's made calls for creation of backdoors. He said in July that uh, the use of encryption itself is already imposing huge costs on society. It degrades the ability of law enforcement to detect and prevent crime before it occurs. Um, they're they're all asking for backdoor access. 
Facebook declines to, to grant backdoor access, saying the backdoor you require, you're demanding for law enforcement to gift criminals, hackers, and repressive regimes. And that's not something we're prepared to do. Apple's had a similar position that, that this is not happening. Um, one of the senator quotes that I read yesterday was, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was something to the effect of, we need the ability to go anywhere and investigate anything where there's the possibility of crime. And it occurs to me that, that no, you wouldn't just allow police to come into your house without some kind of court order, right? You wouldn't allow a search to take place without a warrant. So why are, why, why would we allow people to go into our phones and break down encryption that keeps us safe? Sorry, I'm just imagining police coming to my door. I think I go, ah, and let them in. But, um, well, yes. so in the United States, we, we have a history of... Um, guns. You've got police with guns. We don't we, have that We here. do. We have police with guns, but we have a history of the police are not able to, to come in and search without having a warrant signed by a judge. And if they don't have that, then anything that they find in the search is uh, not admissible. Okay. That's the way it's supposed to work over oh. here. Right. I hear you on the word supposed, but okay. So uh, what happens next? Um, uh, the senators or whoever it is uh, sort it out and fix everything for everybody and everybody's happy or, or, or what? Well, we've had this call several times in the past. And so the question is, Will these repeated calls eventually wear people down and break it through, and and will they'll be granted backdoor access, or or are these just more calls that are going to go nowhere, and we'll hear more of these calls in the future? I think it's one in the middle. Uh, we get more of these calls because they sound great when you're the politician making them and don't actually have to do anything. You sound like you're standing up for the goodness and right, and anyway you are, but it's a. Uh, grandstanding rather than actually trying to solve a problem yes okay that was a bit brutal of me but it's what i've seen here it sounds the same there so okay brutal william yes brutal harsh but i think fair well as long as you see it as fair there you go there you go mac weldon mac weldon is a premium men's essential brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics and it's better than whatever it is you're wearing right now I'm sorry to say, because, I, you know, I like to think, as, as you, our listener, one of, of 25,000 of the most handsome, well-dressed, best-coiffed men out there, and, and, and women, I am very, very impressed with all of our listeners. I really am. But you've seen me, so, you know. Mac Weldon is a know. thousand times better than whatever it is you're wearing right now, William. That's for sure. Well... And the difference, okay. the difference is really in the details, right? They, they obsess over every stitch and seam. They, they design a product meticulously. They, they started from scratch and engineered their own fabric, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. And they believe in a smart and simple shopping experience. It's really easy. It's super easy to, 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 to check out there. You just pick out what sort of clothing you want, and they make everything now. They've got, they've got everything from comfortable sweatpants to, to uh, proper button-down shirts, Oxford shirts. It's, it's really well done. And it'll be the most comfortable clothing that you, you ever wear. And some of their clothing is even naturally antimicrobial. So they want you to be comfortable. And if you don't like your first order... You can keep it and they'll refund you. No questions asked. 
They, they do that for their underwear. Yeah, if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you keep it, they refund you, no questions asked. And not only does their clothing look good, they perform well too. This is good for go- working out, going to work, going out on dates, or just everyday life. And I've, I've gone ahead and I've replaced all of my t-shirts with their stuff. I'm just so happy with it. I wear it every day. Cool. And um, if you'd like to be among the best dressed of our listeners, and certainly better dressed than William, for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code AppleInsider. Gotta say, I'm a bit wounded by all of that, but... Well, you were just right. the one being brutal. That's true. I also <laughs> can't actually deny the facts of the matter here, but it still wounds, <laughs> you know. William, I, I genuinely care for you. I do. And, and I'm sorry that it hurts. Okay. Thank you. Okay, right. I am. I am. You know, we've talked about you buying new iPhones. Yes, yes. You've talked me into buying new iPhones as well. Small difference, but very significant. Yes. But you can't get the Apple card yet, can you? No. No. And you should be grateful. Really? Because the Apple card gives 6% off a new Mac Pro. If you had the Apple card, it would be that much easier to push you to purchase something. Uh, okay. Because because of the 6% pro, 6% offer, right? That's that's one enticement that you'd be able to take advantage of. Another yeah. enticement that you'd be able to take advantage of is that Apple's launched the Apple Card monthly installments program. Oh, no, I totally missed this. I don't know what this one is at all. Well, uh, let me let me fill you in. What if I told you that you could purchase an iPhone on an interest-free payment plan and get 6% back? In cash. I'd say, where were you about a month and a half ago? I know. Yeah. So, during the October conference call for Apple's quarterly results, Tim Cook revealed an upcoming feature for Apple Card where customers could buy a new iPhone from its stores. Under the program, customers get the usual 3% cash back on purchases, while the 24-month installment plan would be interest-free and devoid of all the other fees and charges. Well, we heard about that in October. It popped up and it's gone live. There's a web page set up for the program. The information's in the wallet app. Uh, if you sign up to pay for an iPhone using Apple Monthly Card installments, the minimum payment amount for the card will be included in the required monthly payment for the installment plan itself. The information but, also reiterates that installment payments aren't subject to interest. So we're two months into this. Uh, I'm looking at my Apple Card balance. A certain amount of it is a phone payment and won't have any fees on it and the rest is is it very clear what you're paying when i'm confused now by well, my own question they they wrap it into your monthly payment your monthly balance that's due right the minimum but payment you amount don't, uh, i mean you know the best way to deal with any credit card is to pay it off in full in this case uh this is going to be a certain proportion that you, you don't have to pay off it'll presumably have the total amount of the phone going down steadily over the period right or will it just have the monthly version? It's the it? we so need to try the, the it out. That's yeah. Oh, and is it, uh, do you know if it's only iPhones? Uh, it's so so far says iPhone. Okay, that's probably a good thing. And yeah, uh, the the word was that during this holiday season that iPhones would also be six percent cash back. So there you go. 
Right, so if I bought a $53,000 Mac Pro and paid it over 24 months, that's merely $2,200 a month for it. Um, It is, 2208, yeah. Got to say, it doesn't really make it any not more counting but, not okay. counting interest and anything else because the the mac pro is not interest free uh but you would have that six percent cash back yay yay mike worthily pointed out that the six percent back on a fully specced out mac pro would get you a really good 16 inch macbook pro specification as well so you can just <laughs> you can just pro that's up. not bad you can just keep keep yeah. handing over your money to apple as we do right Whereas what I was thinking was that if you take off the 6%, uh, then it brings the, the maximum cost of Mac Pro to just under 50, which means you can buy two of them for just under 100,000. And uh, <laughs> yeah, when you start saying that, it uh, almost becomes reasonable, doesn't it? No, I mean, I'm not, no know, it really doesn't. But, but there you go. Speaking of all this, you, you know what feels great, right? Paying off high interest credit cards, getting a lower oh, yeah. rate and saving money. Yes, been there. You would agree with that? Really like that. Totally, yes. Well, our sponsors at Lightstream would like you to know that you can refinance your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. And you can get a rate as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay, which is much lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 20% APR. First of all, it's kind of staggering that 20% is the average. Yes, I was just trying to process that. That's quite a lot, yeah. You can get a loan from 5000 to 100000 with no fees, no application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, no prepayment penalties, and the online application is quick and easy. You can apply right from your phone. Plus, you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. So Lightstream believes that when you have good credit, you deserve a low rate and great service, and that's exactly what they deliver. So just for you, my listeners, my favorite people, apply now to get an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Apple Insider. That's lightstream.com slash Apple Insider for an additional discount. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Apple Insider. Subject trial approval. Rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Apple Insider for more information. Apple is doing something they haven't done for a very long time. Mm. Mm. Nope, can't think of anything. Uh, what are they? What are they doing then? Apple is going to appear officially at CES for the first time in thirty years. Okay, I know we disagree about CES, but why the, is this this place where all these things are announced? Two thirds of them never come out. One third of them fail, and the other half is rubbish anyway. I like how you do percentages. That's pretty awesome. Yes. Okay. <laughs> But Apple's, uh, what are they going to go? With with show? managing percentages that way, your credit card must be astounding. <laughs> it does explain a lot, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> it does. Uh, I can't imagine Apple's going to um, uh, exhibit at CES, are they? No. Or, oh, okay. Right. No. Yeah. Apple is not going to exhibit. Uh, Apple has a senior director of global privacy, Jane Horvath, and she is going to take part in a privacy-focused roundtable at CES meaning this is their first official appearance at the trade show. Now, I say official 
for years, they've sent people to the trade show. Why? To look at what everyone else is doing. To have meetings with companies that, uh, that, that sell products, that are selling accessories, that sell things that work with Apple. So uh, what they've done historically is they go around and they, they find things that are attractive, things that are interesting, things they want to buy into the stores, or things that they look like they're interesting to acquire, or things that are interesting to partner with. And they also have meetings because there are a number of overseas accessory companies, companies not based in the U.S. And it's inconvenient to fly to Cupertino for a half an hour meeting and then fly home when your home is on the other side of the planet. But if you're coming for a week to Vegas for CES, then that's an excellent time to have meetings. And so Apple has people and you arrange meetings and you have a hotel room and you go ahead and have your meeting in a hotel room. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Sounds slightly covert to me when they could just Skype each other. Oh, forgive me. FaceTime they they each do other. this at all kinds of shows. For years, they also used to go to New York Toy Fair. Okay. Well, where are technology toys introduced? Would it be, I'm going to have a shot in the dark here, the New York Toy Fair? Yeah. Surprising. You see, I knew already. Okay. You're great. Okay. You're great at this. So, Thanks. Okay. yeah. This roundtable, it's going to have Horvath, along with Facebook VP of Public Policy and Chief Privacy Officer, Aaron Egan, Procter & Gamble, Company Global Privacy Officer, Susan Shook, and the Federal Trade Commission Commissioner, Rebecca Slaughter, in an hour-long discussion moderated by Rajiv Chand, who's a partner head of research at Wing Venture Capital. Okay, so this is a panel discussion in the middle of CES. It is. Okay, it doesn't feel the same as Apple going to CES for the first time. Hey, ever. it's the best we got, right? The last time that an Apple exec took the stage at CES was 92 when John Scully unveiled the Newton. Oh, grief, that was there. Oh, wow. Okay, I've seen that. I didn't realize it was CES. Mm -hmm. wow. Okay. <laughs> and how did that work out for him? Um, well, they had four versions of the Newton released. And people who love it to this day. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And you could say that the iPhone is the spiritual descendant of the Newton. You could. Would you? But you could. I'm sure some people make that argument. Okay. I mean, that thing was pen-based computing, but it had handwriting recognition. Does iOS today have handwriting recognition? Uh, my On iPad your does, iPad does? Yeah, see? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, st I still remember, I was working in a magazine in London uh, when it came out, and uh, somebody from Apple came in to show it to us. I can feel the original Newton in my hand, and I can remember them I, asking us, what would we prefer next? Do we think they should do a colour screen or a backlight? And it was typical Apple. They kind of arranged it so that you were going to say backlight, mm -hmm. and he could say, well, funny you should say that. That is what we're doing next. Yeah. But I, for some reason, I can picture that meeting on where we were by the Thames. It was a... Nice. Rather nice day. It was a Tuesday. Um, okay. Remember it well, remember. do you? Yes. No, I have one of those. Well, I have a couple of those Newtons, actually. Oh, right. Yeah. I bought one for Angela, I think, or she bought one for herself. I'm claiming something there. Uh, my wife, Angela, had one for <laughs> a while. So, yes. so anyway, um, the, the reason that Apple doesn't hold a booth and do big announcement at these kinds of shows is because these that locks them into a schedule for, for releasing things. And Apple has long told itself that they prefer to least release things when they're ready. And they can, they're big enough. Uh, yeah. They don't need to ride on the, the tails of another show. So. No. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's interesting because I'm, 
thinking that that uh, this is going to be a good discussion because you've got Horvath along with the Facebook VP of Public Privacy, Chief Privacy Officer. You've got uh, the FTC there as well. Um, this this could be a fun discussion. And uh, yeah, I know you said CS. CS is in January, isn't it? January, uh, Vegas, yeah. Okay. So, hmm. I wonder, do you remember how many, many months ago Apple uh, bought the URL privacyisimportant.com and lots of the country variations? I There's still nothing there. don't recall when that happened. I mean, we could look up when yeah. that was purchased. That's in the Whois data. But, yes. Um, Many months ago, and every now and again, I check to see if they're doing something. And so far, not so much. Not so much. But, mm. It's okay. They, they yes. don't have to. They're a bit busy. They are. Yes. I hear they just brought out a new Mac. Do you know about that one? I heard something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, big, silver, something like that. Mm. A lot of, lot of holes for cheese in it. That's the one. Yes. Which is a whole new market, I think. Uh, for them good the, pun the whole whole new market well done well <laughs> <laughs> all right masterclass oh love this stuff yes. i was wondering have you ever taken a masterclass funny enough no it's on my christmas list uh specifically uh because of the jodie foster uh bits well, that i've seen if know. it's on your christmas list maybe it's on someone else's christmas list too because we have an excellent deal when you, for a limited time when you buy one annual masterclass all access pass for yourself you get another one to give away for free to gift for free go to masterclass.com slash apple insider to get started with this limited time offer so let me tell you about this what what, what exactly is masterclass william uh protracted long series details involved workshops uh from uh, incredibly well-qualified people in their fields. So Jodie Foster talking about directing, Aaron Sorkin talking about screenwriting. Uh, you told me before about uh, particular cooks. I blanked on who they are, but I recognise them. Wolfgang Puck, Gordon Ramsay. Yes, yeah. there you go. You know, so people you could never conceive of getting many hours with on your own, you do through Masterclass. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was actually watching it the other day for Tom Morello teaching electric guitar. I don't know who that is, but I'm going to guess uh, he can play. Rage Against the Machine. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Right. And what was interesting about his class was not just... It, it, was, it wasn't just a learn how to play guitar like Tom Morello. It was learn how to play guitar and learn how to not only, if you want to play like Tom Morello, play like Tom Morello, but also learn how to find your own musical voice. Oh, okay. That is interesting. Yeah. Which is is sort of the beauty of any of these sorts of expressive arts is how do you find your own voice, whether it's Steve Martin teaching comedy or or um, Neil Gaiman teaching the art of storytelling or or uh, you know Emily Weewitz teaching photography or even Will Wright teaching game design and theory. Right? It's it's about not just learning from from these people and and copying them it's learning from them and being able to apply it so that you can express yourself and it's really impressive that way i i i continue to be impressed by just the number of people one of the things that i've done besides taking these courses myself is watch on twitter to to see how people are being inspired and there was someone who tweeted neil gaiman the other day and said 
you know, having watched your master class and taken your master class, it's inspired me to start writing my own book. Great. That is amazing. Yes. It's that's so rewarding. It really is. So that's the thing. If you have something you want to learn, there's a master class for you. And speaking of, of giving gifts, right? When you buy one annual Masterclass All Access Pass for yourself, you get another one to gift for free. So go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider to get started with this limited time offer. Buy one All Access Pass and get one free to gift at masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. I can't believe Christmas is as close as it is. It I'm not is. Ready. It is. Now, speaking of gift giving, mm -hmm. Apple mm -hmm. and Ellen DeGeneres... Oh, yeah. Love this story. I don't know the details, but they're just some, something marvelous. Well, let me, let me tell you the details. They are outfitting Washington, D.C. schools with new Macs. And, and so Ellen DeGeneres and former First Lady Michelle Obama are handing out new Macs. And along with the new Macs for the schools, every student gets an iPad. Goodness. Do we, now, actually, do we know how many there are? I mean, schools well, are very so they're big doing here. this. They're doing this. Uh, they they did this at Randall Highlands Elementary School in D.C. And this is part of Daenerys's annual Ellen's Greatest Night of Giveaways. She does this every year. She she gives out stuff. So Apple's contribution included communal iMac desktops and iPads with Logitech crayons and MacBooks for teachers and an iPad for every current student. That's great. I didn't uh, know she did that. Uh, yeah, that. great on her. Great on them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so uh, Mrs. Obama visited Randall on Tuesday where Principal Christy Edwards offered a campus tour and detailed the school's needs. Located in what's considered one of the roughest neighborhoods of D.C., 65% of the student body are either in foster care or homeless, and all students in attendance are considered economically disadvantaged. Now, the grounds are clean and classrooms are kept well and, and everything's nice, but they're unable to equip students with the latest in learning technology. Yeah, that's really quite moving. Actually, I'm, I'm impressed with that. It's a shame that any school needs it, of course, but that they they've got together and done this. Yes, great. And uh, one of the, one of the neat parts of this presentation. So Michelle Obama announced one more thing, which are words we've heard before, mm. right? This one is for the students. We want to make sure all of you can learn and explore on your own too. So we're giving the school enough iPads for every single one of you. And youngsters dressed as elves carted in wagons full of new, brand new iPads and handed them out to outreach arms and smiling faces. So that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm really touched by that. That's tremendous. And I'm and, getting quite soppy over here. <coughs> well, yes. well, well, you're well, you're uh, dabbing at your eyes because uh, something something appears to be leaking. Uh, Cook said, "Every child deserves the opportunity to create something that can change the world." Proud to join Michelle Obama and the Ellen Show in empowering our next generation. So that, that's a nice story. I like yeah. heartwarming stories. I like them. I do. Yes. You don't get very many of them. Not enough. That's good. Okay. Not nearly <clears throat> enough. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, 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 did you see the match? Uh, <clears throat> yes. Mm. Anyway. <clears throat> <clears throat> your yeah. favorite show. Yes. Your favorite show, the Apple TV Plus drama series about an early morning TV news show. Goodness, I thought you meant Veronica Mars for a minute. Okay. I know. Yes. I <laughs> got you. Yes, I know. Your second favorite show has been nominated for Best Television Drama Series and has yes. two nods for Best Actress. 
Yes. This is the first Apple TV Plus show to gain such award nominations. Yeah, and good on it. Uh, I do think uh, it's deserved. I have problems with the show, but um, no objection to anything. I mean, objection, like it matters what I think. But um, <laughs> I think, I actually think uh, it's Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon who've got the acting nods. And, and I think they are genuine exec producers on this as well. It's not just a name thing, but they actually are making it. So in a way to acknowledge them for solely the acting side seems like it's leaving out all these other things, but acknowledge them for a thing I think they're both doing very well. I have a problem with Reese, uh, how Reese Witherspoon's character gets a soundtrack to help us, you know, the f- dreams can come true stuff when her dreams are coming. Oh, yeah, it's pat the dog stuff, very obvious, but I think uh, she is really strong and so is Aniston. So yeah, great. Um, I was surprised Dickinson uh, didn't get a nod, a Golden Globe nod, because I think that's really good. But you know, what can you do? In any case, this this has been um, the the first Apple TV Plus series to be nominated, and it's also the first time that Apple's been eligible for anything like this. They've got an Emmy in the past, they both for uh, car- carpool karaoke and a technical Emmy for Siri integration into Apple TV hardware. But this is the first time that they've been eligible for Golden Globes. Industry experts, <clears throat> William, had predicted Dickinson might be nominated as Best Comedy and Best Commentary Actress. Uh, that didn't happen, but uh, yeah, you know what? Hang on. Yeah, just uh, reading a tone here, that wasn't me as the industry experts. I hoped that it would get something, but I didn't. Uh, there are so many of Apple shows that were eligible for so many things. So in some ways, it's a surprise that only The Morning Show got a nod. But, you know, it's always the way with these things, so... Um, I was rooting for Dickinson, but I had no reason to believe it would or wouldn't. So. Well, this is just the beginning. This, this is this is year one, day one, right? This is the very first of this stuff. So we can only see that things get better. Screen Actors Guild nominations are next in January. And uh, everything Apple TV has done so far, I think, is eligible for all of that. So it will continue. Very good. Yes. Well, I want to thank all of our finest listeners thank you so much for writing in thank you so much for your suggestions about how to improve the show we love hearing from you please email me at victorappleinsider.com or tweet me at vmarks and William where should people find you? Uh, queuing outside uh, an Apple store with my picky bank waiting for the Mac Pros to arrive here in, in England uh, or on uh, W Gallagher Twitter and William at appleinsider.com fantastic well, that's that's our show this week. That's brutal William Gallagher and myself, and I'm so glad you've joined us for it. It's been my pleasure hearing with you, sitting here with you today. It doesn't matter how fast your internet connection is if your Wi-Fi router is old and outdated. With Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear, your Wi-Fi will feel new again. Wi-Fi 6 is the latest tech that allows more devices to connect and stream simultaneously without impacting speed or reliability. Check out Orby Wi-Fi 6 at your local Best Buy or at netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. That's netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. William, I hope to see you back next week. I hope so, too. That'd be great. Thanks for having me. And you don't think anything's going to happen in the next week. We've had the Mac Pro. It's all done, isn't it? No? You say that, but if anything does happen, we'll tell you about it here on the Apple Insider Podcast. Where else would you go? Where I else? bet something does. Bye, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I'm stopping recording. Same.